Once again, you're listening to the Hope and Hard Pills podcast, where we are exploring practical insight for racial justice and social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry, singer, songwriter, and author. For the past several years, I've been on a serious intellectual quest to understand how do ordinary people work together to change the world through collective action. And some of you have been on that journey with me. Thank you so much for those of you following my email list and those of you who are supporting this podcast through Patreon (laughs) while we're talking about Patreon. If you enjoy the show and you want to make sure that it keeps happening and all the work that I'm doing. Um, you can always visit patreon.com slash Andre Henry and become, we call it becoming a part of the team because we literally could not do this work without you all. So thank you all again. And that's where you go if you want to uh, support. The music today is brought to you by me, Andre Henry. <laughs> In case you forgot my name, I said it again. I never get that. I, I'm always so awkward saying that part, but I do want y'all to know that I provided the music for this particular episode. And today we have a very special guest, Sonali Fisk is with us, mentor to Black, Indigenous, and Women of Color Revolutionaries, executive producer and curator and talk show host. Uh, Sonali is also the host of the Revolutionary Voices show on Ruckus Avenue Radio, and she is curating the TEDx Del Hawthorne Women event. There are just so many things to say about Sonali. She's great. She's doing so many things, so many cool things. And also, Sonali is a friend. She's a good friend of mine. So, Sonali, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. This is a long time coming. It is. And I'm I'm not used to being on this side of the the microphone. You know what I'm saying? I was going to ask you about that. I was like, you have a show that reaches millions of people where you are the host. And I was going to ask you, how many times are you on this side of the microphone? Very rarely. So it's 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 strange to be on this end. You know? <laughs> I'm going to really be trying to be a good person and just let you take the reins. Because you know how you just want to get in there and try to control the show? No, it's I'm true. Not that I mean, today, okay? It can happen. Okay. But, you know, honestly, like if you decide that you want to start asking questions, too, that's fine. <laughs> okay. the, you know, the only person who ever asked me a question on the show was Adrienne Marie Brown. And the and it, I interviewed so many people before I interviewed her. And then she asked me a question and I was like, oh, my gosh, no oh. one's ever asked me a question on the show before. <laughs> and it stumped me, but I really appreciated it. So, Sonali, I I did do, you know, an introduction of, uh, you know, all of your titles and whatnot and all the things that you do. But I wonder if you might describe how you view your own, like, how do you describe the work that you do? Mm, Great question. I feel like there's lava underneath us. So we're constantly in this moving, shifting type landscape, you know, like Mm -hmm. sand beneath us. So that's also always changing, Andre, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm figuring out who I am as I go here. Mm-hmm. I know I started this work from a place of rage. Yes. You know, but that rage mm-hmm. now is dissipated or alchemized into something else. Mm. Uh, you know, the rage came from seeing a certain type of woman constantly being celebrated 
and centered mm-hmm. and getting all of these opportunities to represent mm-hmm. feet. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm talking about the cis white hetero female. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw I, in, my, in my own personal life, I saw how much my own voice and my own words were being, you know, placated or I was being used as the voiceless, you know, mm. uh, to help kind of advance a certain trope. Mm-hmm. It was when I said, nah, not me, not one more day, not one mm-hmm. more black or indigenous or brown woman. And mm-hmm. so it started from that place. You know what I'm saying? That place of race. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, where I wanted to equalize an already unequal playing field. Where I wanted mm. to bring racial parity yes. to leadership and influence on the socio-political stage. That no mm. longer exists. I, I'm not interested in equalizing an, an already unequal playing field. I want to help mm-hmm. revolutionize the game, you know? I to see. Help change the leadership landscape. Because it's not working. Whatever's happening is not working. Let's talk about that a bit. What is not working? Because honestly, I am feeling this way a little bit. You know that my book, I didn't mention my book. That's why I should have mentioned that in the intro. That's what, I, that's what I'm supposed to do in the intro because we're counting down to my book release, March 22nd, 2022. So anyway, uh, the reason I mentioned the book is because I'm looking at the fact that my book is going to enter the world next spring. And it's what people, I don't think, realize that when you're writing a book, it takes a while, right? So... The place that you're in when you're writing the book, by the time it's published, you might be somewhere else, right? Right. The thing that I'm kind of dreading is I already see that right now I feel like a tired revolutionary. You know, like I just, I'm just so tired. And I just feel like, I okay, first off, everyone who's listening, I believe everything that I wrote in that book. You know, like I believe it all. I'm not taking nothing back. I mean, unless I said something problematic, which you all will tell me about later. Probably <laughs> say that's, that's probably going to happen. But anyway, the tired revolutionary thing, I have felt like, oh, my God, I, are we stuck? <laughs> you know, these conversations about social justice, anti-racism, liberation, are we stuck? Because I feel stuck. You know, so when you say that, you know, that you're not interested in doing this, you're interested in doing that. And all that, it just makes me want to like hear more about that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking. I I just want us to go back to trusting our own selves, trusting our own ways of being in this world before colonization. Well, I don't even know what that is, to be honest, because I come from a thrice colonized country. I'm Sri Lankan. Mm -hmm. I'm a Sri Lankan American. We were Mm -hmm. colonized by the British, the Dutch and the Portuguese. Mm. For ye- years, we're talking centuries. Yeah. So to, yes. to undo that or to course correct that will take, I believe, generations, you know. Mm-hmm. But I want us to go back to trusting our own selves, our own ways of being in the world, our own ancestral intelligence, you know, mm. our own traditional knowledge. And honestly, Andre, for me, the most, the most perceptive thing about that has been about slowing down the pace. First of all, to hear it, to hear it back, doesn't Mm -hmm. reverberate back unless we slow down the pace because the the colonial pace is very fast and very hustle minded and very so fast, right? It's too. It's we can't sustain this. Yeah, you know, this is how we die early deaths. You know, Uh, Mm -hmm. cannot go. I'm not interested in aligning with that pace. So Mm. going back to trusting our own the snail's pace, really. 
you know, mm. listening deeper and wider, listening without making it about, you know, anything other than our own ancestral way. So, mm. um, and it's harder because that means not everyone's going to fly with your process and your pace, mm-hmm. trusting that above everybody else. You know, what, what, does that journey, what does that journey look like for you? How are you making your way back to your ancestors' way? Yeah, I love that question. Thank you for asking it. It's it's really coming back to community for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's also getting rid of these rhetorical uh, online strategies. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I don't. Tell me, what do you mean? <laughs> it's become like a crutch for us. These are, mm-hmm. you know promoting and showing up online in these strategic ways. You mean like Instagram memes and TikTok videos? It's not, and it's, it's, it's so much. And it's built on being punitive and, you know, Mm. like where you can be, you can be uplifted and praised Mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. And the very next day you can be canceled. Mm -hmm. So, that there's no we need to bring the power back into our own hands is what i'm saying yeah that's a very mm-hmm. powerless feeling you know mm-hmm. and it's not good on our nervous systems mm-hmm. it makes us feel a certain kind of way when we get ready to open up our phone we're already on guard we're already on defense you know right. so right. let's take that power back right where we're not in such a fragile state in how we show up online you know yeah. from yeah. being punitive and, and based on punishment or praise mm-hmm. there's no middle where we can just drop into learning you know that drop into mm-hmm. the learning part right so that's what I, want. I hear this connection between what you're saying and like the need for community like you're just saying getting back to your ancestors way meaning community is that you can connect with others on social media for sure totally can but the deep work of community and the way that people grow you know, even from being problematic, you know, and to becoming different people, new people, that seems like it's a little bit more nuanced. It's a little bit more complicated, you know, and you got to kind of be in that space with one another in some ways. Where we're driven and sparked by our own curiosity and our Mm -hmm. own imaginings and exercise our own creative license. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. I built this curriculum at Revolutionaries Take the Mic, Andre. Mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to get out of the fish sheep fish bowl, so to speak, and drop mm-hmm. into the community in a safe mm-hmm. way that's that is filled with trust where we build the groundwork, right? Yeah. The groundwork of trust where you yeah. can unpack some of this. Am I allowed to swear on here or no? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Where where we can unlock. knock yourself out. <laughs> Be careful what you say. Ooh, I got it in me too. Let me tell you. No, but you know, I, I built this curriculum for BIOC for you know Black and mm-hmm. uh, women identifying folks of color, so that we can talk about it and not have to navigate the patterns of white dominant behavior. You know what I mean? That's important. So we can unpack the racialized harm, look at some of these stories that we've been carrying in our bodies for so long, Mm -hmm. but do it in community instead Mm -hmm. of being solitary minded and flying solo online or, you know, 
in the real world. So yeah, it, it's important that we tr- come back to community to be more communal minded. Well, I you mentioned the the curriculum that you that you're writing, and I think that's a perfect segue to talk about that part of your work, uh, be, especially because you have a, a new cohort opening up. So I know that there are some people on the show or people listening that might really be interested, some women that might might really be interested, and I'm I'm assuming femmes as well. Yes, thank you for mentioning. Yeah, yeah, that that might be you know interested in in doing that. So could you tell us about this curriculum? Thank you for asking. So it's a, I, and I want to reiterate that it's not just for cisgendered, you know, mm-hmm. women folk. It's also for trans women and non-binary folks as well who feel yeah. okay or or comfortable in a femme-centered learning in a femme-centered space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly why I did this. I wanted us to drop in. We're carrying so many stories from our grandmothers, from our ancestors. Uh, mm-hmm. We have so much to add to the cultural conversation right now, but don't feel very held and safe about sharing it online in a public way. How do we right. do that in a public way and still stay whole, stay healthy mentally, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I built that curriculum so people, folks can drop in in community. Mm-hmm. I give them the tools then to develop the seed of their, take it from the seed of their idea and build a robust narrative that they can then mm-hmm. take onto the TEDx stage or uh, give a keynote or get a TV spot or um, mm-hmm. you know, talk to a reporter, how to do that in a confident way and not mm-hmm. constantly have to integrate, mm-hmm. right? Or um, think about now how to make this more tangible for like a regular audience. Yeah, I want us to speak our without filter, mm-hmm. without with confidence. So that's what that course is all about. Yeah. Where does the wound come from that you're addressing is, what, is how I want to ask this question, because like, obviously there's a need for this kind of coaching to happen, you know, and I mean, I, I could probably guess, but I want to hear how you would articulate this because you've been on the front line of this. And the way that I wrote this question down is what do black indigenous women of color and uh, and we're using women, you know, inclusively, what do you often find that they need to hear? Yeah, great question. I can tell you that when I'm in the curation process of deciding Mm -hmm. who can get into this course, a lot of the words that I'm hearing from black and brown women are based, you know, are on our racial identity. A lot mm-hmm. are because of who we are racially. There's so much harm that we carry in our bodies and our minds, mm-hmm. either from colonization, right, mm-hmm. or this lopsided, this horrible, oppressive system that isn't working for us mm-hmm. anymore. And from yeah. constantly having to tweak and bend ourselves to fit mm-hmm. the dominant narrative, right? You no, know, that's mm-hmm. exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it really just kind of comes and grabs you sometimes and you can't, you just don't know what to do with it. The folks that come into these spaces often have so much to say, but don't quite know how to navigate that, you know, mm-hmm. without having to tweak and bend and shift. You know, for instance, I'll give you a for instance. Mm-hmm. I have a dear client who, you know, she's going to be giving her a TEDx talk. I'm going to protect her identity. She's going to be giving mm-hmm. her a TEDx talk soon and she needs to make use of the N-word. She's a black woman. She needs to make right. use of the N-word in order to illustrate the point that she's trying to make in her talk. Mm. 
Right. The organizer is a curator, the gatekeeper, who happens to be a white man, mm -hmm. asked her to, instead of using the N-word, to just say N-word. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Now, yeah, yeah. Imagine, so imagine now you have an incredible, powerful, revolutionary talk to give, and mm -hmm. you have to navigate a white gatekeeper who's asking you mm -hmm. to answer yourself when you're trying mm -hmm. to reclaim something, you know? Right, yeah. So yeah. Well, it's how to navigate those kinds of situations. That's, you know, mm -hmm. number one, yeah. not have to tweak your, so just to, just to let you know, to finish the story, I let her know that that event is not for you. Because we're mm. not and bending, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what we've done our whole lives. Mm -hmm. To have mm -hmm. to fit that, right? The dominant narrative. Mm -hmm. So the end result of that situation was then this is, event is not for you. They're not worthy of having you at their event, is what I said. Mm. Wow. And that's the truth. We've got to be yep. who we are. We've got to mm -hmm. be who we are. We yeah. can no oh longer. Oh my gosh. That, you know? Sonali, this is landing in a really, um, it's landing for me in a really interest, not an interesting way, in a powerful way, because, you know, I've been really thinking about how in my waking up from, you know, the, gosh, I don't even know what you would call it. I guess in my waking up from some of the colonial, you know, training, you know, mm -hmm. that I've been given, like in this world, I went from being you know, asleep <laughs> mm -hmm. to, to waking to anti-racist. And then in becoming, in leaning into the conversation about anti-racism, I started to understand that even in my attention to the structural, to the political, to the collective, that there was something individual happening in me mm -hmm. as a person on a very personal level, uh, a kind of decolonizing just through, you know, my own wrestling and, and questioning and kind of, and, and I'm not saying that process is done. The notion of just being ourselves is something that is not a given to Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color in an anti-Black world, in a white supremacist world that says that whiteness is the, is the default human form, the ideal human form, and all of us must assimilate and all of us must conform. Right. And so we need to give up our our indigenous spiritualities, our ancestral links, our ways of, of, of knowing and communicating and being in the world and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying that what you're that what you're saying is landing very powerful to me. And I want for people to hear that and make this connection that like this is really revolutionary and liberatory work even though it sounds like something that could be in an Instagram, you know, like it sounds like something that could be in an Instagram meme or a TikTok meme, you know, which I'm not saying that's how it sounded when you said it, but I'm just saying that people could take it into that fluffy, sugary, hollow, you know, self-help kind of lane. But when we talk about like people of color, black people, indigenous people having self-confidence, yeah. <laughs> walking through the world, like our ideas and thoughts matter. This is something we've been told in a million different ways. That is not our prerogative. Our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Our whole lives. It's been about what is it that other people want to hear from me? Mm -hmm. What is it that I have to say? Mm. You know? Let's yes. look at that. What is it yeah. that I have to say instead of what mm -hmm. other people want to hear from me? Mm -hmm. You know? Our whole lives has been centered around white comfort. 
yes. and colonial rule and, you know, that whole system. If we want in, we knew that we had to play nice. Yeah. If we're done playing nice, that, that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Let's be who we are fully. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Be who we yeah. are fully. So to talk about that and unpack all of that, you know, it, it means we've got to drop in into a safe space in order to do that. And this is what you're doing in the cohort. You're digging into this work with people. Exactly. So how how can people, you know, how can they join? What do they need to do? Well, there is an application process. Mm-hmm. I learned the hard way that um, not all people who say they are Black, Indigenous women of color are. Because I've had a couple mm. of white passing, you know, white women try to get in. Mm-hmm. I'm very clear that this is for Black, Indigenous folks of color. So mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. just go to snollyfist.com, fill it, you know, go enter, click on the link and the whole overview of the course is there. You can find out all the details and all the logistical stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and then apply. The application's literally 10 minutes. It takes you even less, maybe eight to 10 minutes to fill out. And then mm-hmm. somebody from my team will contact you within 24 hours. Wonderful. So, yeah. I really appreciate the way that, you know, you know, you found your own way of um, standing confidently in your own identity and that you're giving a platform to others and helping others to do that. And one of the ways that that's happening is you are curating a TEDx event here in L.A. uh, later this year in December. Uh, You know what's funny? I actually I interviewed one of the speakers, actually, too, a couple of days ago. Yeah, Trish. Trish has yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's so cool. Yeah, because, you know, Trish and I have a lot in common with her being an activist and an artist, you know, with a strong social justice message. So I wanted her on the show. And I didn't know she was speaking at the TEDx event until like maybe the day before the interview. Like I saw her on the flyer and then I saw her. Yeah, because I think she shared the flyer and I was like, oh, my gosh, I know the curator for that for that show. So we totally oh, world, got man. Got a little sneak peek of her talk on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about the TEDx uh, Del Hawthorne event. Thanks for asking about that. I'm so excited because I wanted this, Andre. I want to create. I want to be in the creation process behind yes. the scenes of producing more opportunities like this for us. Right? Yeah. Because, again, some, a lot of the gatekeepers and curators of these events aren't committed to, you know, having diverse speakers and revolutionary ideas. So I wanted to get behind the curtain, so to speak. And this was literally dropped in my, okay, just, you know, just to let you know, things don't always happen this way. Things don't always drop into my lap, but this one was. Somebody asked me to curate this and I said, okay. I was terrified, you know, (laughs) excited and all of that, but you know what I mean. Anything worth doing is kind of scary. So, For um, sure. yeah, so I put the word out and ha- over hundreds of applications came in mm-hmm. and uh, then went about the tedious task of, you know, figuring out who the right 12 speakers were. Mm-hmm. And what you see before you, I mean, we have some incredible, incredible live speakers. Wow. Yeah. That's so exciting. That is so exciting. So, I mean, we're running, we're running low on time. This time is like really just flown by. I can't believe it. What is <laughs> I can um, I wonder, another hour with you. 
I know, like, and like we have gone on for hours. That's the thing. Is like you, you me, and Tina sitting around and talking like forever about all the things. So yeah, I mean, we're just gonna have to have you back on the show sometime soon. So okay, I want to ask you, what keeps you showing up and doing the work? Mm. What keeps you going? I know it's sound corny, but I swear to God, it's things like this. It's people like you. It's other revolutionaries that are in the work. That's making me feel a little less isolated or scared or because I'll be real. There are days where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Let me just go off, you know, go live on mm-hmm. an island and disappear into the background. Cause I'm telling you, that thought comes up more than I care to, to, to yeah. say. You're not the only one. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on the precipice of that sometimes. And it's <laughs> calling me back to this work, you know. I don't know. I don't know how or why that is, Andre. But I all I can tell you is I have a sense that this is my dharma in this world. Mm-hmm. There's a rootedness there. There's something that keeps rooting me in, that keeps mm-hmm. rooting me down. Not from a physical place, because I can literally do this work from anywhere in the world. Right. Um, but from a place, this longing to know how this story ends. You know, mm, like, mm. I want to know. I want to see. Uh, I want to see black women in positions of influence and power. I want to wow. see more indigenous women. You know, what I'm saying, getting paid yeah. for the incredible amount of work they do on the front line yeah. to protect our water and our land. You know, yeah. I want to yeah. see other, um, you know, Asian women get their their due time. You know, their time. Yeah. So I, I want to see yeah. the sense now. You know, oh, I'm curious. That's so that is so beautiful. How can people keep up with you? How can they follow your work? You can find me on uh, my uh, website at sonalifisk.com and follow mm-hmm. me on Instagram also at sonalifisk. Happy to uh, welcome new followers and new friends. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much again, Sonali, for being on the show. Again, y'all, you know, go to her website and, you know, if, if she has something to offer you, you know, sign up for that cohort or, you know, all the things that she's offering again, Sonali. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Andre. Loved it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Also, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps us get into more ears and minds. You can find all the links in the show notes for today's guest, as well as Andre's newsletter, Patreon, and book. You can connect with Andre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheAndreHenry. That's all for this episode of the Hope and Hard Pills podcast. We'll see you next time.